0: Welcome to everyone, all of you that are joining us online. It's such an honor and a privilege to have you here at CCC today for this very, very special Sunday. And uh, I'm especially honored to be able to speak the word of the Lord to you over the next few moments. And uh, it will serve a dual purpose today. Uh, I will be addressing my comments to all of us, specifically about our wonderful pastor, Pastor Jack and Sister Kathy Lehman. But the word of God is so powerful and so alive and so broad and so deep that God's going to touch hearts and lives here today. And uh, he's going to move in a way that only he can move. And so I'm very grateful for this day. We've worshiped so wonderfully this morning, and I believe Jesus has been pleased with your worship. Would you join me in prayer before we move into this next very important part of the service Lord Jesus I'm so grateful to stand here today in this podium in this auditorium but mostly in your presence and in the presence of the wonderful beautiful faithful people of God Lord Jesus our testimonies have been sung today all our lives you have been faithful there is no one like you you have guided you have led us you have ordered our steps in your word and you've brought us to this wonderful day i thank you for this church family and all that they mean to all of us and lord jesus we just ask you to keep doing what you've been doing in this service crown our feeble efforts with your mighty presence and we will give you all the praise and all the glory I pray it in the highest and the greatest, the most lovely and the most powerful name I know. Somebody say in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Over four decades of ministry, I've been the recipient of many privileges and honors from the wonderful people of God. I've had the opportunity of preaching thousands of sermons in hundreds of places literally around the world, but none of them have been more significant than the message I will preach to you this morning, because this morning I have the great honor and the high privilege of installing the next lead pastor of Capital Community Church. Eight other pastors served this congregation during our first 40 years. I was the ninth to be called to this office, and I have served CCC for the last 20 years. And beginning today, Pastor Jack Lehman will become our 10th pastor and will lead us into our future, perhaps even up to the very moment of Jesus' return for his glorious church. Such is the importance of the choice we have made Such is the importance of the role of a pastor in your life, and such is the importance of this morning's service. Today, we welcome Jack and Kathy's families to this service, especially, as Pastor Matt mentioned, their beloved parents, Victor and Judy Lehman, and Terry and Alice Tracy, and of course, their children, Kristen and her husband, Matt Nichols, watching online due to travel restrictions and our very own Justin Lehman who's part of our CCC team and his fiancee Samantha Cole is also participating online. We also welcome their extended family and friends, some of whom are with us this morning seated over here and many who will watch this service online later today. Today we look back over the journey, 32 years of friendship, since a dedicated young man named Jack Lehman arrived in my classroom and corral at United Pentecostal Bible Institute. He declared from the beginning that he did not want to preach, but he did agree that he would sing. And it was in that classroom and on those corral trips that he found the love of his life, a very talented, anointed young lady named Kathy Tracy They married just after graduation, and in about two months from today, they will celebrate 29 years of marriage. Today, we look back over the journey 27 years of working together since Beverly and I moved our young family to St. John to work at First United Pentecostal Church. That's where we first had the privilege of serving on the same ministry team with the Lehmans. I discovered a couple who loved people deeply and worked for their church tirelessly and gave of themselves unselfishly in a thousand different ways. Today we look back over the journey, 19 years since this church made the incredibly good choice of selecting Jack and Kathy Lehman to move with their young family here to Fredericton. And it was at that moment, 19 years ago, that we began pastoring together at CCC, building projects, oh my goodness, building projects, (laughs) missionaries, revivals, raising kids, weddings, funerals, thousands of services, millions of memories, all interwoven with the beautiful, faithful, wonderful people of God in this assembly. CCC, you you know now what I knew way back then, that Pastor Jack Lehman and his wonderful wife, Kathy, they are people and leaders of sterling Christian character, and we are forever grateful. But mostly today, we look ahead to the journey before us as Pastor Jack and Kathy Lehman enter a new season in their lives and ministry, and as CCC enters a new chapter in our history. It has always been my dream to pass the baton while I am young enough and strong enough to cheer. And cheer I will, because there is so much to celebrate. We are so excited about the potential and the promise that this day brings because today we call and commission our next pastor and we consecrate ourselves to his vision and his leadership. Capital Community Church is a family and we are led by a wonderful, stellar team. Dozens of dedicated volunteers and staff lead our departments and ministries and I honor their immense contributions to CCC today. But for the sake of time, I will only recognize the senior pastoral team who will be standing beside Pastor Jack and Kathy Lehman as they continue to lead our church. Matthew and Patricia Woodward will serve as CCC's assistant pastor. They've already been doing that in leading our youth. Eric and Annette Porter will serve as our administrative pastor. And yes, I said pastor. It's taken a few years, but we finally got him there. David and Susan Coy will continue to serve as they have so well as CCC's care pastor. And Raymond and Beverly Woodward will continue to serve our team as teaching pastor and bishop. Would you join me for just a moment in expressing our heartfelt appreciation to every single volunteer and all of our staff members at Capital Community Church? Would you let them know how thankful we are for them? Today, I will preach with a very special garment that I purchased many years ago now for this service. I like to plan ahead. (laughs) I have one that is a twin to this, but this garment has never been out of its packaging until this weekend. It's been saved up for this moment. It's a Jewish prayer shawl in Hebrew. A Talit And this is specifically an Elisha Talit. It's my favorite of all the Talits. Or you could just call it a mantle, because that's what it is. And in just a few moments, I will present this prayer shawl as a symbolic gift to our lead pastor, and we will pledge our prayer to him and to Kathy. The tallit was instituted by God in Numbers 15 when he commanded the children of Israel to put fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. It was to be a reminder of the covenant and the commandments of the Lord. God knows that human beings are visual learners, so he gave the Jews the talit, the prayer shawl, as a an object lesson. They were to put tassels or fringes. In Hebrew, that's zitzi, and they were to put that on the border, the corners of their garment. Kanaf is corner, and, and so you had the talit, the garment, and it had a corner, kanaf, and it held a fringe, zitzi. And they would often wrap these tassels around their fingers and they still do as they pray and when you see a Jewish person doing that they are reminding themselves that they are covenant people that they are commandment people that they live under the banner and the covering of the Lord we could do far worse than remembering that there were five knots on each tassel one two three four five And they represented the five books of the Torah, the law. There are four spaces between those five knots, of course, and they remind the Jews of the four letters in the name of God, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh or Yahweh. There are 39 windings exactly in each twisted coil, which just happens in Hebrew to equal the numerical value of the Hebrew words, the Lord is one. And by the way, Jesus suffered the very same number of stripes for our healing. The numerical value of the Hebrew word zitzit is 600. You add to that the five knots and the eight strings that make up this fringe, and you will get 613, which just happens to be the exact number of commandments God gave to Moses in the Torah. The sole purpose of the Talit, this garment, was to hold that fringe. When you wore the Talit, you were literally wrapping yourself in the covenant and the commandments and the name and the laws of God to this day the jewish people especially those elders they still call the talit a hug from god God's law and His commandments don't burden us, they bless us. God's presence and His name in our life, that's not some kind of burden to bear or something to be ashamed of. That is the greatest privilege a human being could ever have in their entire life, to bear the name of Jesus and the covenants of God. The prayer shawl or the tallit is still used on all major Jewish occasions today circumcisions, bar mitzvahs, weddings, even as a shroud for burial, they wrap it around that person. This protects the scrolls of the Torah whenever they move it in the synagogue, and it even inspired the Jewish flag. It's basically, the Jewish flag is like a big prayer shawl with a star of David in the middle. In biblical times, men wore this tallit all the time, not just at prayer, all the time. You would see them walking, and the fringes would hang beneath their garment and mark them as the people of God. This garment was a constant sign that a person was willingly submitted to and reminded of and wrapped up in God's commandments. When the priests entered the tabernacle and they looked up above their heads and they saw that fine twined linen held down, by cords and tent pegs. What they were actually looking at was an oversized massive tallit, symbolizing that everything they did in the tabernacle was under the commandments and the covenant of God. Even today, Jewish weddings, I love them. They're performed under a prayer shawl of all things. They take the tassels and they stretch it out on four poles and that young couple walks under that prayer shawl symbolizing that they are com- uh, committing themselves to each other but mostly in the presence of God. It's called a chuppah when it's stretched out like that and that dates back to Boaz and Ruth because the tallit was cast over the one being claimed for marriage. You see it in Ruth 3 and 9. He said, who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid. Thou art a near kinsman. Ruth was saying to Boaz, I want you to take me under your wing. The word kanaf that is translated corner for this garment, it's also translated wing in Hebrew. 76 times in the Bible. And for this reason, the corners of the prayer shawl are often called wings by the Jews and in the scripture. That's what Ruth was saying. Take me under your wing. It is why you read scriptures like this in the Bible. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence, here it is, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler." The psalmist isn't saying that God is somehow a great big bird. He's saying that God, his covenant is like the wings of a bird that overshadow us. When you walk in covenant with the name of Jesus, everything in that word, it comes to bear on your life and you walk in blessing before God. When the priest would hold out his arms in blessing in the synagogue or in the temple, His tallit would look like wings. And he would say, On this wise, bless ye the children of Israel. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I'm glad to live under the wings, under the shadow, under the provision of God's covenant. Since the fringe of a man's garment literally represented his obedience to God's commands, to cut it off was the equivalent of saying he was backslidden. That's what happened in that cave with David and King Saul. And it's why David's conscience was smitten as soon as he cut off the corner of Saul's garment, his skirt. And that's why Saul knew his kingdom would fall. 1 Samuel 24, verse 5 says, David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. That wasn't his place to lift up his hand against his leader. Today, one fringe, a Zizi, a fringe, is cut off the corner of a man's prayer shawl when he dies. And then he is wrapped in the garment to symbolize that he is now free from the law's demands. But for that to happen to a living person, it's scandalous and serious. While it wasn't David's place to cut off the corner of Saul's garment, there had been a prophetic word given by Samuel already. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul laid hold of the skirt of his garment and it rent. And just as quick as lightning, that old prophet spun around, pointed his finger in the face of Saul and he said, Just so, the Lord has rent the kingdom of Israel from you this day. And he's given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. So this garment is everywhere in the fabric, in the background of the scripture. You see it in Matthew 23 when Jesus condemned the Pharisees because they made long tassels on the border of their garment. They literally dragged the ground. They wanted to impress you, but they didn't have the reality in their hearts. He said, but all their works they do to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. They enlarge the borders of their garments. It's all for show. It's everywhere in Scripture. Talit means little tent. It means to cover. So some translate it little tent. And uh, every Jewish man had his own little tent. He carried with him his own little tabernacle where he could meet with God. You still see him do this today. By pulling his talit up over his head, he could create his own little tabernacle anytime, anywhere, any place. And that's what Jesus was talking about. He wasn't talking about your broom closet with a handle and knob and hinges. This is what he was talking about when he said in Matthew 6, when you pray, enter into thy closet. And when you've shut your door, pray to your Father which is in secret And the Father which sees in secret, he'll reward you openly. I got one better than that. I've got the Holy Ghost in my heart. I've got a tabernacle of God in me. And anytime, anywhere, any place, for any reason, you can just stop what you're doing and lift up the presence and the name of God and he comes to meet with you. Some scholars believe that Paul, Aquila, and Priscilla were actually makers of tallits because it means little tents, and Acts 18 tells us that by their occupation, they were tent makers, and there's at least a a small body of scholars that feel like because Paul was a rabbi, he was all confirmed and affirmed that they actually made these. It's everywhere in Scripture. I'll hasten, but I'm having fun, and that's dangerous. When the disciples went into that tomb on Easter Sunday morning, the reason they knew for sure that the Romans had not stolen the body of Jesus, they suspected it at first, but they went in, and this is the record in John 20. Then come a Simon Peter following John, and they went into the sepulcher, and they saw the linen clothes, the grave clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head. What did they wrap a Jewish man's head in when he died? His prayer shawl. They saw Jesus' prayer shawl, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together, sitting in a place by itself. And that's when John records. Then went in that also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. They knew that no battalion of Roman guards would have a sweet clue what to do with a Jewish prayer shawl. But when they walked into that empty tomb on Easter Sunday morning and they saw Jesus' prayer shawl, which they recognized, they'd followed him for three and a half years. When they saw that prayer shawl folded carefully in a manner that only a Jewish person would recognize and laid respectfully apart in a manner that only a Jewish person would appreciate, then they knew. They knew. It was like Jesus said, I'm not dead. I left you this sign that I'm coming back. There was even a prophetic word of restoration and revival spoken over the Jews by the prophet Zechariah, telling them that one day the laws of God symbolized by the Zitzi, the fringe, would be seen as an advantage by the world and not a disadvantage. Zechariah 8 and 23, thus saith the Lord of hosts in those days, it shall come to pass that 10 men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt the corner, the kanaf, the fringe of him that is a Jew saying, we will go with you for we have heard that God is with you. May I pause in the middle of this very important service to tell all of you Pentecostal and apostolic people, don't you ever lay down the lifestyle God's called you to. The world is spiraling out of control and they're going to come looking for you. Don't you be on their same pathway. Don't you be messed up in their same stuff. Somebody's going to come looking for you. The world's getting worse by the day. What a wonderful heritage Israel had. Amazing. But they wasted it. By the end of the Old Testament, they've only recently returned from a 70-year captivity in Babylon, and they've already begun to backslide again. And it seems there is no hope for a permanent solution. And then Malachi the last prophet to speak or write in the Old Testament, in the very last chapter of his book. He offers to Israel one more time, one final choice between absolute destruction and immeasurable hope. You can choose to keep going. You can choose to be destroyed or, but unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall. If Israel will only fear the name of the Lord and keep his commandments, they will be free and blessed. But they didn't listen. And so we enter into what historians call the long barren period of 400 silent years between the ending of Malachi and the opening of the New Testament four centuries where nobody hears a word from the Lord. Nothing more is heard from Malachi's powerful prophecy for centuries until three of the four gospel writers record the story of one person who finally puts the puzzle together No, it is not a religious scholar. No, it is not a Pharisee or Sadducee. It is not a member of the Sanhedrin. It's not a popular leader or a mighty king. It's just one little person who somehow looks past all of the confusion and the chaos, and she grasps what everyone else has missed. And Luke records it. I'll read his recording. Three of the writers record this. And a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, who had spent all her living upon physicians and couldn't be healed by anyone. She came behind Jesus in that stifling crowd and she touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood stanched. Let me tell you what happened that day. She just touched something that was touching Jesus, and that was enough to fix her problem. Can I tell you something about this church? We're not a perfect church. We're a great church, but we're far from perfect. But we serve a perfect Jesus. And if you get in touch with us, we can put you in touch with him. If you touch something or someone that is touching Jesus, you can be healed. Your life can be changed. It's amazing. (laughs) Why in the world did that little woman touch? The fringe, the tassel, the Zizi of Jesus' garment. Two reasons. First of all, she knew that that represented the commandments and the covenant and the name and the promises of God. But secondly, she remembered what everybody else had forgotten. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And when she reached out and touched him, she came under his covenant and she was healed. All three of the gospel writers who record that miracle immediately record another miracle afterward. Because when that little woman stops Jesus, he's really not supposed to be there for her. He's actually on his way with a very important man named Jairus to heal his little girl. And because of the delay, Jesus stopping to minister to this nameless woman before they even get to the house, word comes from the servants to Jairus, don't trouble the master anymore, your little girl has died. Don't ever give up hope when Jesus is involved. Jesus said, no, we're going to keep going. And they continued to the house and they walked right past all the mourners that were making a scene. And Jesus entered in. Why are these two miracles recorded together in Scripture? Three of the gospel writers do so. It's because of the garment that Jesus is wearing. He walks past all the mourners into the house, into that bedroom where that little girl is now laying dead, her body starting to decay in the terrible heat of that climate. And Mark records it, and he took the damsel by the hand, and he said unto her, Talit Hakumi, which is being interpreted, damsel, I say, unto thee, arise. Now Mark has to write to the Romans, that's his audience, so he basically explains it in layman's terms that Jesus said that, and he reached out, and she got up. Tradition is called Jairus' daughter, Tabitha, but the word there is talitha, and the command is actually talith, hakumi. What Jesus said that day is, little girl, you just came under the... (laughs) the shadow of my wings. You just came under my covenant. You just came under my promises. You just entered into my tabernacle. So get up. All the laws that kept you down have been reversed. All the laws that said it's dead forever, they just got overturned by the master of all creation. So Talit Hakumi, little girl, get up. And I say to you today, if Jesus enters into your life, you can get up out of anything that has ever hurt you, anything that has ever bound you. You can be under him covenant whoa oh lift up your praise to the Lord thank you Jesus lift up your praise lift up your praise fill the house with his praise The rules change when you get under the shadow of the presence of Jesus, and that little woman with that issue of blood, my goodness, she started a revival. Matthew records that when the men of that place had knowledge of Jesus, they sent out into all the country round about she filled up jesus calendar they brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that he might only touch that they might only touch the hem of his garment. Where'd they get that? They got that from that little woman. That's where they got that. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I say it again. All that little woman did was touch something that was in touch with Jesus. And Pastor Jack and Kathy, that is why protecting the mantle handed us by our elders is so critically important. It is more than just a doctrinal statement or a lifestyle policy because the elders that birthed this church and this movement, they literally wrapped themselves in revelation and they saturated their mantles with prayer. They touched Jesus. And church, when we follow in the footsteps of our great apostolic elders, we're touching something that touched Jesus. That's why it's critically important to have a pastor with an apostolic legacy. Now, Pastor Jack and Sister Kathy, they're very fortunate. They're blessed among the blessed because they get their apostolic legacy from praying parents, two sets on both sides of that family tree. Do you understand how blessed we are that these people have been raised up from an early age by parents who prayed for them? We inherit that blessing. But every pastor that has to have an apostolic legacy if he's gonna be part of building an apostolic church. I know many great men and women of God across the length and breadth of the apostolic legacy, they don't have this privilege. They have to connect with elders. They have to connect with pastors. They have to connect with saints and they have to carve out their own apostolic legacy because you can't do apostolic ministry without an apostolic connection. But our pastor and his wife are so blessed and we inherit that blessing by extension. And we owe a great debt of gratitude to Terry and Alice Tracy and Victor and Judy Lehman today because we inherit their children and their grandchildren. knew I was going to (laughs) cry. The tallit was the mantle that the great prophet Elijah passed on to his successor, Elisha. When that old prophet asked Elisha, the young man, when he said, what do you want? Elisha didn't have to stop and think about it. He didn't have to take a poll or call a friend. Immediately tumbling out of his mouth were these words, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Elijah, the old man, had saturated his mantle for years with his prayers and his anointing. And when Elisha picked up that mantle that dropped from the sky, and he went back to the waters, and he smote the waters, and he said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? The waters parted because he had connected with apostolic, godly, righteous, prophetic legacy. I believe God is giving this generation, and I believe God is giving our pastor a double portion anointing to accomplish the greatest and quickest, largest and fastest work for the kingdom we've ever seen. God will place the mantles of our elders on this generation and on our pastor and his wife. Only those who are willing to walk in the footsteps of the elders ever get to walk in the authority of the elders. I'm glad to announce to you today with 1,000% surety and conviction, Pastor Jack Lehman and Sister Kathy Lehman are such leaders. They walk humbly and with full transparency and honor in the footsteps of the elders. And today, in just a moment, we are going to pray that the legacy of their parents and every pastor that has shepherded them, every person that has fed into their lives and their experience here at CCC, that it all comes together to propel them into this next phase of our history and their life. And I believe the outcome is going to be amazing, Astounding, awesome, and apostolic. I am so excited. (laughs) Pastor Jack, you're my friend. The worst thing in the world would be for you to just kind of try to continue and maintain and do what I've done. I'm not expecting you to do what I've done. I'm expecting you to be not only your own man, but God's own man. I am behind you. Our family is behind you. This church is behind you as you lead us. And so I conclude with a couple of scriptures that have been just Part of me for as long as I can remember. I've always looked forward to the day when the Lord would privilege me and honor me to allow me to live out these scriptures. Numbers 27, and the Lord said unto Moses, take thee <clears throat> Joshua the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit. A man in whom is the spirit and lay thine hand upon him, and set him before Eleazar the priest, and before all the congregation, and give him a charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. When my son Matthew became a staff member here at CCC and one of our pastors, I told him, Matt, if you please Pastor Jack, you've pleased me. If you serve him, you're serving me. If he's happy, I'm happy. I meant it then and I mean it today. And I would say to this great church family, you have honored Beverly and I, not just in a beautiful celebration a few weeks back for 20 years, but you've honored us every day of those 20 years. You've given us your love and your loyalty You've given us your faithfulness and your prayer, and I would say to you today that in the very same way, if you want to honor us further, there could be no greater honor than praying for this man and his wife, than submitting to this man and his wife, than loving this man and his wife, than following this man and his wife. There are no greater honors that you could bestow on us, and I know that you will. That's what the Lord told Moses. You bring that younger leader. You bring him in front of all the congregation. You lay your hands on him. You give him a charge. You pray over him with the congregation. Put some of your honor upon him. And then the Lord spoke these words to Joshua. And I speak them over Jack and Kathy Lehman today. And I don't just do it to read a closing verse or a text. I speak this in the name of Jesus, and I speak it with prophetic anointing. If you've ever trusted any anointing that's on me, trust this one. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Our greatest days are not in the rearview mirror. They are immediately ahead. Our greatest revival is not in the past. It is in the future. The greatest outpouring you have ever seen is not some part of our history. It is part of our future because we have an apostolic legacy. I'm finished. Give great praise to the Lord right now, lift up your hands, your voice, everything you've got, and give Jesus praise in this room. Don't check out, we're just transitioning. Just give Jesus praise with your voice, through that mask, give Jesus praise. Oh, yes, Jesus. Oh, yes, Jesus. Just continue to worship the Lord. I'd ask Pastor Jack and Sister Kathy and Beverly if you'd join me on the platform. Just keep lifting up the Lord. We're just in a moment of transition here. This is so beautiful and powerful. I'm so thankful for the hand of the Lord on our church, CCC. There's nobody like Jesus. There's no place like this. And there's no people like these two people. We're so blessed today. Pastor Jack and Kathy, I'd like you to stand right in front of the pulpit facing the congregation where you will stand for years to come. I pray and trust until Jesus tarries. If you've ever prayed, CCC, I want you to pray right now. If you've ever lifted up your voice, I want you to lift up your voice right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our friends and our pastor and his sweet wife. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the years of dedication, prayer, service to your kingdom that have brought them to this moment. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for battles that have been won, for souls that have been won, for forces of the enemy that have been pushed back by their service to you. Lord Jesus, today we come to a special moment in our history and in their lives. And God, as we asked you at the beginning of this service, it's more important now than ever before would you crown this moment with your anointing with your presence with your favor with your blessing would you crown this moment with the Holy Ghost and with fire would you crown this moment with the name of the Lord that is a strong tower would you crown this moment with your covenant your commandments your name your promises and your blessing. I pray you would put a hedge of protection around our pastor. Let no evil come nigh thy their dwelling. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would protect their minds and their hearts. I pray that you would protect their family, their children, their spouses, grandchildren that will come in the future. I pray, Lord Jesus, you would send your angels to walk beside them and to put a hedge around them. And Jesus, as they lead this great church, we rejoice in the fact that there is not a shadow of a sliver of any doubt. (laughs) They are fully apostolic in their doctrine, in their lifestyle. We're so thankful for Jack and Kathy today we commend them and commit them to this church. And we commend and commit this church into their keeping, knowing (laughs) that not one word has failed of all your good promises. That knowing that he that has begun a good work in you is able to complete it, is able to see it through, is able to increase it and expand it. I bless my friends today in the name of the Lord. And as they shoulder this responsibility of leadership, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost and the anointing that this congregation carries rest and abide on them from this moment forward. I pray it in Jesus' name. Now, church, lift your hands toward our pastor. And pray out loud in Jesus' name every blessing you can possibly think of. This is a wonderful moment today. I need some apostolic Pentecostal tongue talkers to pray in this room right now. That's what we need right here. let the blessing of heaven rest upon them today let the blessing of heaven rest upon them today in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name name. pastor Matt if you'd run me up that microphone we're going to let pastor Jack and sister Kathy greet us I think it would be appropriate to just thank God for what we've witnessed this morning. I love you. (laughs) I I <laughs> Kathy save us deliver us
1: I don't know how I'm, I don't know how I'm supposed to talk after that <laughs> Church, thank you so much for the confidence that you have shown in us. I'm so thankful for this church. And this morning, I was awake very early, and I was already emotional (laughs) at 5 o'clock this morning. But I started to think about this church. And we came here 19 years ago, and some of you weren't here and we have watched you come because this church is a place of restoration. This church is a place of deliverance. Some of you came from very broken homes, very broken lives. We've watched some young people come up through and we've watched this church embrace them, welcome them, and we've seen this Jesus restore and heal and deliver from addiction. Every face. every face here has a story every one of you have a testimony and we're so thankful for each and every one of you this church is a giving church i'm so blessed to be a part of a church that ordinary people with not big fat wallets continually give of what god gives and god blesses look what god has given us God has been so good, and that's because you, his people, have become giving people. Only heaven knows the lives that have been changed because of seed you have put in the soil. This church has welcomed immigrants to our city on a local level. This church has still goes to homeless shelters, works with the homeless, goes into prisons. I'm so thankful for this church. And this church, it's no coincidence, is built on a hill in the town of Marysville. And I believe that has a spiritual significance. The Bible says a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And as this world gets darker, it's intimidating. I'm not going to lie. But the God of angel armies is standing with us. He is fighting for us. And this church will continue to be a light in this dark world. This church has accomplished, this church has accomplished so many incredible things, but we have only scratched the surface. This church is going to continue to grow. And I am speaking by faith that by this time next year, some of these rows that are empty because of COVID are gonna be full of brand new faces with brand new stories brand new lives transformed by the power of jesus i'm so thankful so thankful to serve you all it is an absolute the highest honor of my life and i'm so thankful pastor mentioned it for praying parents and my wonderful in-laws the power of prayer is what keeps us It is what sustains us, and it is what will move us forward. I am so looking forward to what God will do through all of us, CCC. We love you all. Thank you.
2: Well, what a tremendous privilege we have to be in this room with all of you this morning. And uh, we look and see so many friends and family. And we cannot, we haven't done this without you. We refuse to do it without you. And I'm looking forward to what God is going to do with us, through us in the future. Uh, I'm still recovering. I've, I've soaked my mask and wet my hanky and shouted with you and rejoiced with you and, and now as we look forward into the future what God is going to do I don't have any doubt that we'll have challenges because we've had challenges but what a privilege we have to look back with the testimony of 20 years knowing that God has not failed us that God has a purpose and a plan before us and we are walking into it we're not hesitant I understand why God told Joshua, 25, 26 times in the word, God spoke to humanity and said, fear not. Four of those times are dedicated to Joshua. Three in the very first chapter, he said, fear not. I understand that because Joshua must have felt the void of Moses in his life. As he looked to the future and all the prophetic promise that God had placed upon that nation that he walked with, now rested within his responsibility i thought about elisha and how his cry was for a double portion and i i've prayed that prayer not out of pride but simply because our world needs a double portion anointing in this end time like we have never had before and we can't do it without that but as i thought about those two men The void that must have been left with Moses, it says, Moses, my servant is dead. With Elijah, God picked him up in a 747, and no, he didn't. We've seen Pastor Head out on a 747, but thank God, the airport's still open in Fredericton are going to be open, and he flies back. And I have this tremendous privilege and honor of not only... Uh, Kathy acknowledged our parents. I'll let that suffice. I agree wholeheartedly. We have this tremendous honor and privilege of standing with a tremendous team, um, with friends that have impacted and imparted into our lives, uh, with pastors that have invested in us. Brother Buster, Brother Goddard, I'll be forever grateful for their leadership and Pastor Woodward. um, And he speaks about our character, but I encouraged him I'm not going to use the word admonish because I didn't admonish him, but I encouraged him to join his family for his own brother's funeral this past week. And he said, I can't. And that will give you a little insight as to how important you all are to them. And as we walk in those shoes, I feel every bit of that fear that Joshua may have felt, but I hear the voice of God say, fear not, be strong, be of good courage. So fear may come around the corner just a little bit, but I, I, I hear a greater command, and the command is to be strong. The command is to have courage because the world doesn't need a behind-the-scenes church, the world needs, and at the front lines church, reaching for people to pull them from the flames, reaching for people to pull them into prophetic promise. And we want to be a part, and we're so grateful that we are a part of that church. I love you, pastor. I love you, pastor. I, he said, don't take a long time. Don't take a long time. You have 25 years to talk to them. So I won't take a long time, but that little car that that Emily spoke about that they stopped on the outskirts of our city and prayed over this place called Fredericton that God would have revival and promised to impart everything that they had. I sat in that little green car and talked about how God could use people, not just when one pastor finishes, to get up and get out but that pastor is not going anywhere. Elijah's still here. Moses is still hanging on. (laughs) And I can't tell you how encouraging that is to us, that as pastor said, he's... I had another story, but can I just tell it in one and a half minutes? It was about... Oh man, it was—it's close to. uh Must be close to twenty-five years ago that we went to B.O.T.T. They laughed at us when we went down because we had studded tires. We were going to Louisiana. Tick 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 tick. We drove because nobody had money to fly. So we all piled in a car, packed a lunch. We had rubbermaid tote full of sandwiches. I don't know how they. Tasted the third day, but we ate them. Well, they weren't laughing when we came out of BOTT into an ice storm that was awaiting us, and we got back in the car and we began to drive. And everybody was a little on edge, tense. You know what it's like sheer ice down there. They don't know how, uh, sorry, they know how to take care of it. They didn't have equipment to take care of it. No salt trucks, no sand trucks. The roads were bad. And I remember this one turn, I was a little nervous. Pastor was very confident in his studded ice tires. I couldn't feel what was happening at the wheel, so I just said, are you going to slow down for this turn? He did. But when we came back out of the convenience store after gassing up, Pastor was in the passenger seat. The keys were still in the ignition. He said, go ahead, you drive. <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> so here we are, 25 years later. We made home. It was a little unusual with me sitting behind the wheel of his car. And I gotta tell you that maybe just a little bit of the way it feels this morning. But I have full confidence in the way that we have worked together. You know, it's not a three-legged race that's going to run faster than the Olympian. In the... But I tell you what, we have watched, I have watched as pastors come alongside in times when we were weak and weary and lifted us. And walking together, we can go a lot further I'm so grateful for his help, his mentorship, his leadership, and all of you that have joined us in this exciting, revival-filled, focused on the future, and on into eternity journey. We love you so very, very much. I'm privileged and honored to be this role today. Love you, Mom and Dad. I love you, Shy, Todd, Brooke, Kristen, and Matt. We wish you were here. Just and Samantha and Church family. We love you all very much today. Okay, now let's have some fun.
0: Would you give it up for our lead pastor, Reverend Jack and Kathy Lehman. What a morning, what a day, and what a beautiful presence of God. And we're going to go out singing this song because this is what fills our hearts today. Oh, to God be the glory.